Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up, and let's get started on today's podcast. Today's episode is funded by Hort Innovation, using the Mellon Research and Development Levy and contributions from the Australian Government. Hort Innovation is the grower-owned, not-for-profit research and development corporation for Australian horticulture. Dr. Flavia Fayette-Moore, or as she's very well known, Dr. Flav, is a scientist, dietitian, nutritionist, researcher, and entrepreneur. She believes that science, technology, and creativity can go a long way in solving some of the problems that we face globally in health and well-being. Dr. Flav loves nutrition science and wants to make it fun. As a founder and CEO of Nutrition Research Australia, she maintains her independent and credible voice on all things nutrition, health, and well-being. She's also the co-founder of Food is Cool, where nutrition in schools is done differently. Dr. Flav is also a fellow of the Australasian Society of Lifestyle Medicine adjunct lecturer at Newcastle University and honorary associate at the University of Sydney. More information can be found at nraus.com slash melonshub for healthcare providers or melonsaustralia.org.au for consumers. Now let's dive into today's episode all about the latest science behind eating the rainbow with melons. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Flavia. We're very excited to have you on the Leanne Wood Nutrition Show. Thank you so much for having me, Leanne. And we'd love to get our special guests um, started off by, I guess, telling our listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you do on a day-to-day basis as a dietitian. Sure. So everything that I do on a day-to-day has to do with food because I'm a foodie. I absolutely love it. I loved it so much that I wanted to study nutrition and ended up with three degrees in nutrition science. So everything that I do on a day-to-day basis is around improving people's health through food and nutrition, from looking at cutting-edge research on space nutrition to bringing bioactives to the forefront of dietary guidelines, and of course, helping people put more fruits and vegetables and adding color to their plate. So I'm the CEO of Nutrition Research Australia, where we do end-to-end research, communication, and education. And I'm also the co-founder of Food is Cool, which is an all-inclusive program for the early years in nutrition. I love that. And I love that all dietitians identify as massive foodies. I haven't met one yet that didn't. So we're all, we're all in good company when we're together because food is, it's just so important, you know, like it provides us fuel and energy and keeps us alive, but it also provides so much joy and satisfaction to our day-to-day living as well, doesn't it? A hundred percent. And so much of everyone's food becomes their identity from culture to preferences. It's a truly an everyday thing in life where we have to make multiple decisions on what to eat. Um, So it's really important to make it the forefront of health. I love that. And again, as dietitians, we're constantly harping on about this message that we should eat more fruits and vegetables and eat more plant-based foods. Now, I think a lot of people hear that messaging a lot, but what is the actual science behind it? Why should we be eating more plant-based foods and why are they so good for us? Oh, yeah. So we, that's definitely something we do harp on about a lot. And, mm-hmm. and the reason is pretty solid. When we're talking plant foods in general, of course, you have your fruits and vegetables, but also remembering the whole grains, nuts, seeds, and oils are very much part of the plant kingdom. 
along with mushrooms, which are part of the fungi kingdom. So they all have all the different nutrients to support health. But when you're looking at how we eat across diets from around the world, there's the gold standard, which ranges right from your Mediterranean to Okinawan or Nordic. And one of the, they're all very different diets when you're looking at macros and micronutrients and so on. But what's common among all these diets, including the blue zones with the longest living people in the world, is that they are rich in plant foods. So it doesn't mean you have to be vegan to reap the benefits, is that you just, whatever you're doing, make sure that you have lots of fruits and vegetables on your plate because they're not only providing that nutrition, um, but they also provide all the bioactives, more than 10,000 bioactives in food that influence health. They have the non-digestible components, including the dietary fiber that helps feed our microbiome. And obviously our gut influences our brain, it influences our immune system, all the bioactives and the vitamins and minerals in, in plant foods and fruits and vegetables have lots of different properties from antioxidant to anti-inflammatory. But I think one of the things that we hear a lot is that it helps reduce risk of disease and cardiovascular, type 2 diabetes, cancer, and so on. But that's in the future, right? So it's really hard to get people to think of the now. But having more fruits and vegetables and plant foods in our diet also helps with the less obvious things, like it helps you feel better. It helps you look better from hydration in your skin to vitamin C. I call it the vanity vitamin <laughs> because it helps support collagen synthesis. So, and, and all the bioactives with antioxidant properties that then, you know, help reduce damage from the sun, for example. So it's a really interesting area of research for the now more than the later. Um, and there's even a systematic literature review of 61 studies in adults showing that those who have higher intakes of fruits and veggies have higher level of self-efficacy and optimism. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes, yeah, actually impacting what we do on a day-to-day basis and how we perform and show up in the world as well, which is awesome. Just from our little, little fruits and vegetables, which is awesome to hear. Yeah, so adding any amount right to your day is going to make you feel better, look better and improve your health. So it's really just start somewhere. Start small. <laughs> Start small. But it's definitely something that Aussies need to focus on because, unfortunately, for whatever reason, we don't eat enough, do we? What are the latest statistics on Australian fruit and vegetable intakes? We definitely don't, and we don't buy a, a, a big gap, right? So the most recent Australian National Health Survey and physical activity showed that only 6% of adults actually consume the, the amount, the recommended serves of fruits and vegetables, so if you're looking at the two separate, it's more than one in two. So 44.8% don't meet fruit recommendations, which are two serves per day. And nine out of 10 aren't meeting vegetable recommendations, which is five serves per day, depending obviously on your age and sex. So we have a huge gap to, to fill. Mm, and I feel like of those 6% that are meeting it and the 94 that aren't, I feel like a lot of dietitians are included in that 6%. Of course, right? It's, um, it, it's that thinking and having to translate all that information. How many have I had and what does it look like? And it's really just around decomplicating. They'll go for two and five. Mm, and let's go through that because I think it's a really important point to say, well, what actually is a serve? Like is three grapes a serving of fruit or is, you know, a square of rock melon a serving of fruit? And what about a vegetable? If I eat, if I put a little bit of carrot on my plate, does that count as a serving? So when it comes to, a, I guess, a definition, how much is an average serving of fruit and how much is an average serving of vegetables? So it's really interesting because, you know, as health professionals and dietitians, we kind of, we know it, you know, a serve is 150 grams of fruit and 75 grams of vegetables. 
So in terms of fruit, um, it's about one cup of cut melons. So, you know, if you go to your local takeaway shop, it's uh, you often find a uh, fruit salad cut up mm-hmm. with lots of melons in it. It's really very colorful and very beautiful, but which is probably almost two serves in a fruit salad, right? Mm-hmm. Great. Then one median apple or an orange or two little small fruits, like two apricots, but also half a cup of 100% fruit juice. So that's about 150 grams. Mm-hmm. On the flip side with veggies, it's 75, which is interesting because it's half the amount, mm-hmm. right? So it's mm-hmm. probably based on how people consume it. So 75 grams is really one cup of leafy veggies, like salad veggies, or about half a cup when it's cooked. Yeah. So we're talking like five cups of salad a day minimum to reach the requirements or about two and a half cups of cooked vegetables a day as well. It's quite a lot, isn't it? Yes, correct. But it counts. Everything counts, right? So there's fresh, but there's also Mm -hmm. frozen, Mm -hmm. there's canned. And in this economic climate, it's important to know that all fruits and veggies in every way, shape and form that you put in your body are going to be beneficial. Wonderful. So I mean, if that's what a recommended serving is, I think you can. Uh, it's easy to appreciate why people aren't getting it enough. I think a lot of people don't even realize how much a serve is. And also, if you're just eating them at dinner, like a lot of people add vegetables to their dinner, but if you're not actively trying to increase the load at breakfast or lunch, and same deal with fruit, it is really hard to meet those recommendations. So as a nutrition researcher, why do you think our intakes are so low? Is it that people don't know how much to eat or is it more of like an access, a budget issue, an affordability issue? What do you think? Uh, there's lots of reasons, mm. um, but obviously the barriers with all the misinformation, the confusion, right? And other barriers like just not having the ability or time to prepare the food. So yes, those exist or always exist, but there are two main ones. I think first is sugar in fruits versus veg. For some reason, vegetables get all the limelight, which they should, right? But I think it's predominantly because they're lowering calories and fruit has sugars. So it gets demonized, even though you can actually get all the same nutrients and bioactives that you can get from vegetables from fruit. And we know that the science around eating fruits and vegetables is really important. The World Health Organization doesn't even separate them in their recommendations. I think let's simplify your messaging. Just eat fruits and veggies, right? So you're combining both of them. It doesn't matter that one has sugar and the other one doesn't. As long as you're eating a variety of both, you're you're doing a good job. But second is that from a public health dietary guidelines perspective, it's so complex. Mm. Like we need our profession to, you know, break everything down because there's amounts, there's serve sizes, there's food groups, and then there's the individual preferences and the age and the sex and the physical activity level. It's so complex. Like even for uh, us dietitians, am I meeting my two and five? Like you've got to do a lot of math and calculations and visuals in your head. So there's, there's a model in behavior change called the fog behavior model. And it says like, if you can reduce the complexity or difficulty of something, then you can change behavior, right? Cause you've got the motivation there. You've got the ability and the trigger when behavior doesn't change. It's one of the three are missing. Mm. So let's just simplify our, our messaging a little bit and help with that translation because just serves in itself, I think are one of the big problems. Everyone goes too hard. Like I'll never meet that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And probably gives up along with other barriers that exist. Yeah. So the messaging here is just eat more. It doesn't matter how many you eat now, just eat more. And even if you are in that 
what was it, four or 6% that do actually eat enough, it's not going to really harm you from eating a little bit more anyway. So I think we should all just be aiming to eat a little bit more fruit and a little bit more vegetables and make it tasty as well, because that matters as well, doesn't it? It's got to taste good at the end of the day. And that's the thing with fruit, right? Like fruit is tasty, sugar is sweet. We have an innate <laughs> preference for it. So, and, and because you're going to get the same benefits from fruit as you are from vegetables, including them both on the same, you know, level will help people increase their amounts. If you just eat the fruit and you don't eat the veggies, it's okay because <laughs> you will be getting the, the nutrition from, from the fruit as you will from vegetables. So just go for both, whatever lands on your plate, you're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I love that. Variety is key. And speaking of variety, we always, again, as dietitians, we have this messaging where we say, eat the rainbow. And I say it a lot. And I know because it means that diversity, which is really important for your gut health, but why else are we telling our clients and, and you know mainstream media to eat more, I guess, color? Why is color so important? Okay, because color is an innate cue for humans to eat, right? Color looks beautiful. It's vibrant. Um, it, remember with the fog behavior model, which I said, we want to make it simple and you need a trigger. Well, color is the trigger. By seeing color, it makes you want to eat it. So fruits and vegetables have color. Mm -hmm. And within those colors, you have the bioactives, the things that we don't have a requirement for, but that they benefit human health. You know, they're often called phytonutrients or non-nutrients, but I don't like that term because it implies that, you know, there's a set box requirement for them every day that we need to eat and it makes them complex. Mm -hmm. Whereas as long as you're, you're having fruits and veggies, you're getting those bioactives and they're doing biological activity in the body inside out and, and helping um, maintain health. Now, there's a lot of really interesting research from Brian Wensick's group around color variety. Mm -hmm. We know if we have variety, we eat more. It's the buffet effect. We all know it. Mm -hmm. But then when you add color variety, you also eat more. So he's done famous jelly bean experiments where he offers people jelly beans in different bowls, mm -hmm. single colors or mixed, and people always eat more of the mixed color than they do <laughs> when it's the single color on its own, even if it's their favorite. <laughs> so we are programmed, right? We eat with our eyes as well. We are programmed to eat more when there's more color. So let's use that as a strategy to get more fruits and veggies on the plate. And there's a word first study that I've been told that you were itching to tell me about <laughs> called, you know, the eating the rainbow study. Um, what can you share with our listeners today about, again, why eating the rainbow is so important and what this study actually showed us for the first time? So we often say, you know, eat a rainbow. It's, we know because it's around getting all those colors of fruits and vegetables, but not until last year was that actually proven. So that's where our study comes in, where we looked and synthesized and reviewed all the evidence on those color-associated bioactives that are naturally found in fruits and vegetables, looking at over 80 systematic literature reviews with meta-analysis on those pigments and the effect on health in 37 million participants. Wow. There wasn't uh, an SLR and meta-analysis done on the color green, so we actually had to do an original SLR as part of the study. Um, but we basically summarized the, the classes and their health effects of the bioactive pigments on, on health. So there's four classes. I think it's important as dietitians that we understand what they're called and where they come from. So we move away from just calling everything antioxidants because mm -hmm. their, their effect, like you mentioned, it's also prebiotic. Mm -hmm. You know, color pigments are prebiotic. They help feed the, the gut microbiome. But they also have other effects in the body, like being anti-inflammatory, antifungal, antimicrobial, and so on. 
So the, the four classes of bioactive pigments are your coronoids, your flavonoids. That's why I love being Dr. Flav, <laughs> representing the flavonoids, yep. betalings, uh-huh. and then your chlorophylls. So mm-hmm. within each group, there's a bunch of colors. It's not really important to memorize what's what. Chlorophyll is easy because there's only green, but the rest is a mixture of red, orange, yellow, purple, blue, etc. And what did the research show us, I guess, about was one group stronger than another? Was it important to maintain a good diversity between them all? So we showed that there's lots of different health effects um, from eating the bioactive pigments in fruits and vegetables, and it ranged from decreasing type 2 diabetes to alleviating seasonal rhinitis to cancer, lots of different health effects. But what was interesting is that six of the eight um, colors had unique health effects that wasn't seen in any other color. Yeah, wow. So it really shows that it's important to eat a variety of colors because each color comes with a unique health benefit. And that's where that, you know, eating a group of foods like melons, right, rather than single expensive exotic superfoods <laughs> can actually give you a range of those bioactive pigments and colors and then for a range of different health effects. Mm, so something simple like a humble rock melon, instead of going and purchasing like an exotic dragon fruit, like you mentioned, would have the same sort of health benefits from like an antioxidant perspective because they're in that same similar class and color. Is that right? Exactly. And not just antioxidant, all the other um, effects, right, that the bioactive will have in the body. And it's also something that you can add every day to multiple dishes. Mm-hmm. So you might eat a, you know, an exotic dragon fruit or what, or maybe a pomegranate or whatever it is less frequently, but something like melons that you can add every day in different ways for all the different colors. Mm-hmm. So there's five different colors in melons. It allows you to add those bioactives to your diet and of course, reap then the benefits of having it. Mm-hmm. And can we go through the different types of melons? Because they're a wonderful um, sponsor for the episode today. So I'd really love to just call out what are the different types of you know Australian melons that we can actually find? Because I think a lot of people know one or two off the top of their head. But yeah. if I'm being completely honest, I don't know all five <laughs> of them. So I'd love for you to tell me as well. Yeah, of course. So it's uh, melons are a group of fruits, right? And they have an array of different colors. So you've got your watermelon, which has the colors white, red, and orange. And green, if you eat the rind. Which you can. (laughs) Which is edible, which you can. And it can give you more ideas about how to do that. Then you've got rock melon, which has orange, Mm -hmm. but also white and yellow. Honeydew, which comes in either white or green. And piel de sapo, which is green. So melons are more similar to cucumbers in many ways. So it's a really nice way to think of them as an easy way to walk the talk and just add it to your salads, add to your dishes, just like you would a salad vegetable like a cucumber, which is technically a melon. <laughs> and full of like the first thing I think about when I think of cucumbers is water and hydration. And as you mentioned, if you're looking to improve your skin health, actually getting in some really hydrating fruits and vegetables is perfect. So making up a lovely salad with some cucumber and some melons could be one of the great strategies you could actually do for your skin health, isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. Now we've mentioned a couple of times, or you've mentioned a few times, these bioactive pigments that are in melons, but also in other types of brightly colored fruits and vegetables. What are bioactive pigments and why are they important? Because you did mention a little while back, we don't necessarily need them from a health perspective, but we would want them from a health perspective. Why is that? Okay. So the bioactives um, in melons that, that you can find, it comes in five colors, the red, orange, yellow, green, and white. 
So they contain the bioactives lycopene, which many people know from tomatoes, right? The red. Mm -hmm. There's beta cryptoxanthin, which is orange. Chlorophyll is green. Beta carotene, which is orange. There's all the carotenoids together and flavones, which is white. So these bioactive pigments are linked each specifically with different um, health benefits. So reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, coronary heart disease, diabetes, cancer, bone fracture, all-cause mortality, improved cholesterol, reduced body weight, waist circumference, and relief from allergic rhinitis symptoms. So you can have a look at our paper. It's open access. We have an awesome little figure summarizing what each pigment relating to health, what they, what they did, the level of evidence and the grade of evidence. So it's all summarized for you in figure two and with other examples of other fruits and veggies that can help you eat those colors. And we'll make sure we put the link to the paper in the show notes as well. But can you just let our listeners know what that's called if they can, I mean, they can simply just Google it, can't they, to find it? Yeah, you can just Google, should we eat a rainbow? Um, and Google maybe Blumfield, which is Michelle, the first author in the paper. So just Google, should we eat a rainbow? And you can find the paper. What's really exciting, I think, from, from looking at melons, right, specifically, is that one color that most people probably aren't getting enough of is green. Mm-hmm. And by, you know, having honeydew and pale de sapo and the watermelon rind, they're sources of chlorophyll or the green pigment. Often in vegetables, the green pigment comes with bitter taste. <laughs> so it's a really nice way if, if someone doesn't like a certain vegetable, especially your, your leafy greens, which we know are very beneficial for health as well. It might require more preparation. It's harder to encourage people to eat them. So it's a really easy way to just add some green from the melons. Mm-hmm. And there's three different options you can choose from to get that benefit of, of the green color. And I'm specifically thinking of my fussy little toddler who's about who's about 16 months at the moment. She will happily have fruit all day long. So I must say, I haven't actually tried her um, with some of those green type melons. So I think I'll definitely have to um, buy them. She absolutely loves her watermelon. I think it's probably one of her top favorite foods. Even yeah, in winter, amazing. she's still she's still like watermelon. <laughs> and for children, it's, it's fun because you can actually shape um, all the melons yeah. in, you know, with melon balls and you yeah. can use... Um, Cookie dough little, uh, cookie cutters, cutters. Yeah, yeah. to create um, like kebabs with a star on top and make it into a magic wand for children. So you can actually get quite playful and you can add that color to your salad with red melon balls or green melon balls, right? Mm-hmm. And really boost the color and at the same time make it tasty because you're adding that, egg, that sweetness to, to the savory salad. And I love that, that you're just giving people permission to eat more fruit. Cause I think you're right. Like people really fear it. They go, it's got too much sugar in it. It's too high calorie or whatever. I've been told to only have two pieces a day. And yeah. when we actually look at the research and the statistics in Australia, we're not even getting in those two serves. And particularly <laughs> for kids, they're so growing. They're so active. Like I just you know, I'm not going to just feed my daughter fruit all day long, but yeah. I'm not really worried about because I know that she loves it. And yes, it's natural sugar, but she's just on the go constantly. Like she never sits down. I'm like, you're just going to be burning it off anyway. And like you said, if we can get all those other wonderful nutritional benefits in, I think it's a lovely message to just eat more regardless of whether it is fruit or vegetables and not get too hung up on the amounts. 100% because what is it displacing, right? Mm. So as long mm. as obviously she's not eating fruit all day, but most people aren't. Um, and it's around displacing some of those discretionary sugar sources in the diet rather than one that comes packed full of the bioactives, but also nutrients. So, 
you know, melons have benefits above and beyond color, like you mentioned with the, the hydration. So half a cup of water in a serve of melon and also vitamin A. So, so you know, in rock melon, for example, it has it's quite a lot of vitamin A. It's fat soluble. Mix it with a bit of prosciutto, just a bit of extra virgin olive oil. It's important, right, for vision, our immune system coming into winter and growth in, in children and development. But also vitamin C, especially again coming into winter, right? It's mm-hmm. really, really important. And rock melon provides more than 100% of your daily intake of vitamin C. Mix it, turn it into a juice in the blender with water with extra lemon juice or even vitamin C booster drink. There's lots of different ways to enjoy it and get all those benefits of color and the nutrients that are, are naturally in it. Yeah, I love that. And it's so expensive to go out and buy all of your vitamins that people do at this type of year. You know, we're taking the garlic and we're taking the vitamin C and we're taking the, what is it, the echinacea and the olive leaf. We're (laughs) taking all of these vitamins to prevent, you know, and build up our immunity, forgetting that one of the best things we can do to build our gut health and build our immunity long-term is actually getting in a vast range of different types of plants. So getting, you know, our vitamin C in through things like rock melon, like you mentioned, and even kiwi fruits is another great option as well, because they provide heaps of vitamins. So actively aiming to eat more fruits and vegetables is just a wonderful, simple message that I think we can all adopt. And adding color to your plate, right? So it's so simple because we know there's even research saying that if you actually either perceive that you're adding color or actually add color, it results in greater intake of fruits and vegetables and lower intake of discretionary foods. So it, it actually changes behavior. So I've been saying this for a while now. It's like, let's just ditch two and five from our head. Just add color to your plate. Start by thinking, can I add a a melon um, into this salad, right? Or can I snack on on a slice of watermelon here? And can I make a juice? And there's lots of different ways from when you're shopping. So in your shopping cart, do I have enough color to your pantry, to when you open your fridge or your freezer and just assess your color variety? Are you getting enough color? in your shopping basket, on your plate, while doing food prep, or even snacking. Mm -hmm. So it's a a really easy uh, way to simplify the complex dietary guidelines and really help people use that natural visual cue of color for their benefit. Yeah, you're so right. And time and time again, I'll see, you know, PTs posting recipes on Instagram, and it's like, have this, uh, you know, have this billet of salmon for dinner with a plate of greens. And you're like, that's cool. But again, like a plate of greens for dinner every night isn't really that appetizing. So like you said, if we had a plate of, I don't know, broccolini with a bit of fresh rock melon and a little bit of ricotta and also some fresh tomatoes and some capsicums thrown in there, it's so much more visually appealing, but it's also so much better for your health. I don't know why people just think it has to be green vegetables all the time. Like all of our vegetables, and as you mentioned, all of our fruits have so many wonderful nutritional benefits that the side salad or the vegetables we're adding to the meals – they can taste good too. They don't have to be bland or boring. They don't have to be just steamed greens on a plate every single time. Even if the goal is aiming for a bit of fat loss, we can do it in a way that tastes really good as well. Yeah. And that and that color variety too adds benefits beyond eating the fruits and veggies. So if you were to eat a plate of leafy greens every day, you'll reap more benefits above and beyond just the serving of the, the leafy greens if you add color variety to it. And that was a finding from our, our paper. 
that the benefit on health on the color variety go above and beyond total fruit and vegetable serves. Yeah, wow. So that's a key, you know, piece of information that we need variety. Mm-hmm. We need color variety. So it's great if you're eating, you're meeting your recommendations, let's say, for, for fruits and veggies every day. But if you're eating the exact same thing every day, you're not getting, you're not maximizing the benefits. So mm-hmm. it's really thinking, how can I make it easy to add that extra bit of color to my plate? I love that. And speaking of melons, because I think a lot of people get into the trap or the habit, like you said, of having the same thing every day. So they slice up a banana and put it on their porridge every day, or they have um, you know berries with their granola every single day. So I love melons because I think people eat them, but they're not like the go-to fruit sometimes as well. So I'd love to know some of your favorite ways to incorporate the different types of melons within your day. So maybe perhaps how would you incorporate it into breakfast, lunch, or a dinner recipe? You already mentioned like wrapping it in prosciutto with a little bit of, I would put it with like a little bit of fresh ricotta or something. I think that's amazing. It's one of my favorite ways to (laughs) eat melons. But any other tips that you have to incorporate things like melons or other types of fruits into those sort of regular recipes that we're already doing on a day-to-day basis? So with melons, I find it's really easy to chop it all up and store. So you can either freeze or you can just have it in, in, in your fridge and then you use the different pieces in the dishes. So it's really hard to just add that extra color. As a snack, I love turning into kebabs, mm. as I mentioned for my daughter and making magical ones, but also mixing with grapes or cherry tomatoes and mixing the fruit and veg in that magical wand. Really, really easy to do. And again, you can use cookie cutters if you have the time mm-hmm. to add extra shapes before you put it on the kebab stick. Not needed though. It's super easy. And kids love to hold food in their hand and to make it fun, right? So putting up a bowl of uh, fruit salad with melons versus turning into kebabs. Kebabs are way more interesting, both for adults and children. In Brazil, a juice is really big in, in the culture. I'm originally born and raised there. And one of my two actually f- favorite um, juices to, to have that's super easy is watermelon and mint. Yum. So just blending um, some fresh mint with watermelon and water in a blender or pure honeydew juice with a bit of lime juice added to it or squeezed in it. Again, super vitamin C booster. Mm-hmm. And for in the evening, what's really nice is to just add it to any salad that, that you're making, right? So it could be a Greek salad is great because you already have all those colors and you're doubling it up with fruit. And it's, again, that cucumber, melon taste and texture like piel de sapo or even um, utilizing the, the watermelon rind in a stir fry. It's It's got that light flavor but it's got the crunchy texture, which is really, really nice. So you're adding texture, adding flavor, and boosting those color bioactives to, to an already col- colorful salad. So it's really nice. Love doing that. <laughs> yeah, and the watermelon rind's an interesting one. And I must say, I don't typically, I don't think I've ever actually eaten it. I've definitely eaten the skin of a kiwi fruit, I will say. I didn't quite enjoy it. But the watermelon rind's not something I've ever thought to actively be like, let me just throw this in my stir fries. So like, is there a certain way, do you have to cook it? Can you eat it raw? Obviously we'd wash it really well, but like how how else would you cook it or how else would you prepare it or eat it? Yeah, you can. You can um, use it in like a coleslaw salad or you can pickle it. I'm not a pickler. I'm like, I don't have time for pickling. <laughs> <laughs> but for those that do love pickling, you can pickle it as well. Um, it's really important, I think, from a food waste perspective, mm. using everything we can, mm-hmm. right? So it's really nice when you're cutting it up, just save the the, the white whitey with green flesh of the rind, 
chop it up. And then again, you can throw it in your coleslaw or you can throw it in your stir fry and just having a bit of that prep ready to go makes it really, really easy. So you, you definitely, because when you think of a watermelon, you've obviously got the pink part, which everybody eats because it's sweet and delicious. Yeah. Then you've got the white part, which I think we kind of chew into, but you know, don't really mean to. So you're saying use the white part, but also the green skin part as well. And a little bit, yeah. A little, a little bit of so the green take skin. Take a big chunk, right? And chop it up. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's edible and it's great to add a bit of the green bioactive and white bioactives and use the whole fruit and not waste from a food waste perspective. Yeah, I love that. I, I make coles often, so I'll definitely give that a go next time. I love that. That's a great idea. Thank you. You're welcome. And the thing is with using the whole fruit and, and not taking the supplements, right? Not taking a vitamin C supplement, for example, mm-hmm. in winter, actually getting it from, from food is that you do get all the other things that come with the food synergy that we yet don't know, right? So in watermelon, for example, there's other bioactives that aren't color associated, like uh, citrulline and arginine. They're both really powerful vasodilators. So the nitric oxide increases, everything opens up, it helps with blood flow and reducing cardiovascular disease. If you take a pill, you're not getting all those benefits, right? The vitamin Mm -hmm. A, the vitamin C, the potassium, the citrulline, the arginine, and then all the color associated bioactives. So I think it's really important that you get the nutrition, but let's also remember the joy that food brings to the table. It's an eating occasion. Whereas when you're taking a pill, you're bypassing like the whole eating occasion. Mm -hmm. And you're also bypassing the whole microbiome from the mouth to the anus, right? It goes straight to the stomach and you don't get that mouth microbiome starting to to digest and have some of the the prebiotic bioactives Mm -hmm. that are associated with color so it's really thinking holistically that food has a role not only in nutrition but also in culture and our joy and our health well-being related to the psychological aspect of eating food yeah absolutely absolutely all right and then dr flab to end the podcast today where can we find some yummy and free delicious melon related australian recipes so you can head to the australian melons website so www.melonsaustralia.org.au but you can also find some information on our website nraus.com forward slash melons hub wonderful and thank you so much for joining us today i appreciate how incredibly busy you are and how many things you do on a day-to-day basis so i can't thank you enough for coming on the leanne ward nutrition show today thank you leanne for having me it's great to sharing evidence-based info to help improve people's health really exciting amazing and i'll make sure that i tag all of your socials and the research paper as well in the show notes for our listeners as well perfect thank you 